Welcome to Rooftop Report, a key safety podcast where we will be discussing everything from fall protection misconceptions to how key safety is making a difference in the improving safety for today's workforce. Hello and welcome to the Rooftop Report, a podcast produced by Key Safety and focused on providing you with the knowledge and expertise that you need to separate your people from hazards. I'm your host, Dan Huntington, and today our guest is the esteemed Mr. Peter Woodliff Thomas. Peter has spent most of his career in the safety industries with a focus in the last eight specifically on fall protection and separating people from hazards. Peter's unique life experience will give us insight on how a safety product can transform from a concept into a solution inside your facility, keeping your workers safe. Peter, I just want to thank you so much for joining the podcast and sharing your knowledge with us today. Hey, Dan, you're very welcome. It's it's going to be a real treat to, to have the opportunity to talk about site safety with you. Thanks, Peter. And just to dive right in, I, I don't want to jump right into the questions because there's a concept that I know that you're passionate about, we've talked about in the past, and I'd like to just explore it right off the top. And that's the concept of whole site safety. Can you just give me a brief description on what you mean by that? Yeah, sure. The, the whole concept of, of whole site safety comes from the point of view that when you're looking at a site where you've got people working, there's all there's all sorts of different hazards. And people frequently feature or focus in on, on specific hazards. So for example, if you've got, got a fellow working on the roof of a building, you'd be focusing on edge protection, you'd be focusing on skylight protection, you'd, you'd be looking at access protection. So all sorts of things specific to that particular environment. If you've got machinery or, or workplace access issues, you'll look at how to make that safe for people. So you'll provide safe access platforms and safe passage to and from the access platform. You might also consider vehicle safety, because if you've got forklift trucks running around the building and so on and so forth, you want to make sure people are separated from that vehicle hazard. However, all of those are just individual risks. And what we really need to think about is the whole aspect of somebody's working day and where they're going to be safe or indeed in danger throughout the course of the day. So when I talk about whole site safety, it's considering everything that a person may encounter in the course of a day, not just the specific risks in certain aspects of their job. Yeah, that is so true, just in my experiences. A lot of people think of key safety as a fall protection company or a guardrail company, when in reality, we have a mission to separate people from hazards, whatever those hazards may be. Just this week, I was on site. We were doing a whole, it was like a campus, and they wanted their roof safe. And they had some ideas of what needed to be done. And my sales rep and I, we were just meeting with the customer, asking them questions. And we were asking questions along the lines of what you just said. How do we get to the roof? How are we accessing the equipment? Hmm. What path along the roof do you take to get from equipment A to equipment B? And what hazards are we going to come across on that path? And, you know, about 15, 20 minutes into the conversation, our customer stopped us and he said, you know what? I, I just want to make a comment. You're the third safety company that I've had come out here. And you're the first one to ask me those types of questions. 
about the path and the access, frequency of use, where is the work taking place? How are you getting to that area? And it just caused just me to pause for a second and say, wait a minute, we're the, the experts, we're the safety professionals. If we're not the ones driving those questions and, and forcing you know, our customers to, to kind of zoom out and take a holistic approach to this, who's going to do it, right? And so I'm, I'm so glad that we're able to kind of just address that up front because it is so important that we look at safety from a holistic point of view and not just what do I need to do in this area to protect this hazard, tick a box and move on. And I, and I think the, the point you're making there, Dan, is, is from key safety's point of view, yes, we, we are a business and we're in business to sell safety solutions to make people's lives better. But part of all of that is the fact that we have the ability to, to help guide people, to help educate people. Because we, we are the safety professionals, the people who, who run sites and run factories aren't necessarily the safety professionals and, and it should be us who are guiding people and educating people and helping them to understand what's necessary. It, you, you, you wouldn't expect them to, to understand all of the things that they should be considering without somebody helping and teaching them about it. And I think that that's one of the things within key safety that I'm most proud of, I think, the fact that we have the ability to help and educate people. Yeah, and I want to also, you know, this whole idea of whole site safety, it brings us to a kind of a broader topic, which is the difference between legal compliance and then true safety of individuals. And I think that's almost a shift in the focus, right? Am I trying to tick a box so I don't get in trouble if an inspector shows up? Or am I actually trying to protect my workers. And I, I, I think, you know, sometimes in the safety industry, it's so easy to get caught up with, you know, compliance focused safety where you're just ticking a box and move on. Yep. You know, we've got our work at heights done check. When in reality, the, the, the worker might not actually be safe at the end of the day. It's a, that's a really, really good point, Dan, because from a, a legal point of view, compliance is is what you have to do you have to be seen to be complying with standards complying with regulations and as you rightly said you can do all of that and you can tick the box but hey if you're not actually thinking about and caring about the safety of your worker you're really only going halfway we spoke some time ago about the situation where you might well in, install some rooftop safety equipment and then just provide your worker, your, your guy on the roof with, with some real low cost PPE. So he's, he's using equipment to connect to this high quality system, which is not of the best quality. Now you've complied, but are you really yeah. caring for your, for, for your guy on the roof? And, it, and it's taking it that step further and looking at not only legal responsibility, but moral and just doing the right thing, which which we we know is a, a very big part of the key safety value set. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. There's a huge difference between regulatory compliance and the, the care for the well-being of your employees. Now, talking about that, right, because culture plays a role in safety. It, it plays a role in the compliance on the legal side and it plays a role in the risk that workers are willing or not willing to take while completing a certain task. 
I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on the different safety cultures that you've experienced in your travels throughout the world. I know that you've been all over the world setting up offices or doing site <laughs> assessments, working with safety professionals or non-safety professionals all over the world. And I'd like to understand your thoughts on what roles culture plays in safety and the differences you've seen in different countries that you've had the opportunity opportunity to work in. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a really, really interesting question because I live in the UK, you live in North America, and we, we become really, really focused on what happens in, in our own backyard, so to speak. We're really, we're really clued up. We understand about safety and we understand about how things should be done in our own cultures, in our own environments. If you then get the opportunity to travel to other parts of the world, sometimes you see things which are really, really quite shocking because it isn't the way that we do it so to speak and so the whole point the whole thing around culture is yes it is different people's views on safety people's views on the way in which they should behave is very very different in all sorts of different parts of the world you only need to get off a plane in bangkok and, and walk through the city and watch the way people drive and people cross the street to understand <laughs> how, how, how safety is different in different parts of the world. And never believe that fellow that says, if you eyeball the driver, he'll avoid you because in my experience, that doesn't happen. <laughs> but um, but that it is, it is different. It is different in different parts of the world. And an awful lot of it comes from, it comes from what people deem to be acceptable. And you'll, you'll see things in, in Asia, which people deem to be acceptable, or in India, which people deem to be acceptable, such as riding a motorcycle without a crash helmet, driving a car without wearing seatbelts, and it's just considered acceptable. Whereas in Europe, in North America, over periods of time, people have just started to find things less and less acceptable because they start to understand the risks associated with them. And Culture is part of it. Development is another part of it. The other thing which which really does play a, a huge part here is the fact that the provision of safety systems doesn't come without a cost. And what we tend to see is the more developed countries around the world with more developed economies will spend more money on safety. And it's a self-fulfilling prophecy then. You start to spend money on safety, things that appear to be less safe become unacceptable to people. You then spend more money on safety and, and it just gets better and better and better. So that, that is a, a big part of it. Something that Key Safety have done over the years is to proactively go to territories which we might consider less developed than the UK or North America. And we've set up offices and we've started to build businesses and we've started to provide solutions that are cost effective for the environment in which we're working. And that, again, is something that I, I think is, is fantastic because it comes back to the whole education process again. We're, mm -hmm. take, we're getting on the front foot, we're educating people, and we're providing cost-effective systems for the point at which their safety culture has, has developed. It's, it's, it's good, and that's the kind of thing we should do. But in, that's a really long way of answering your question around <laughs> how does culture have an impact? But I, I, I hope, hopefully that's given a bit of insight and um, people will be able to um, start to understand a bit about what we're talking about there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you, you brought up several really good points. 
and I was taking notes as you were talking, I think one of the biggest things that you hit on at the end there is the educational process, right? And in, in the U.S., in my experience, I'm, I'm on roofs all the time talking to safety professionals all over the country, in the industry and out of the industry, and we're not there yet in the U.S. We, there is a lot of misconceptions surrounding fall protection and safety, and one of our biggest competitors is ignorance. You know, when a when a rational, reasonable person is given actionable data surrounding safety, the natural response is to say, oh, I, I didn't realize that. Yep, we need to do something about that. That's a good approach. And it's I'm blown away at how many people when I, you know, walk a site, I say, hey, do you know that more people actually fall through your roof than off your roof? And we should really protect these skylights over here. No, I, I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, we, that should be a priority. Mark that on our list. Hmm. And it's just that process of education is so critically important because I don't think that people wake up in a day and say, hey, you know what? I want to take unnecessary risks. <laughs> I want to put my no. employees at risk. They just you, don't you, understand what risks are in front of them. You're 100% right, Dan. It, it, it would be a really, really nasty person who, who, yeah. would, who would wake up in the morning and think, you know what, I'm just going to put all of my guys at risk today. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think people like that exist. No. And, and it's, that, that isn't what it is. But unless you help and guide and educate people, they're not to know, are they? And, and that, that's why I think it is, it is important for us to do that. The point you made just now about people falling through roofs is absolutely fundamental. In, in the UK, we have the, the Health and Safety Executive and they publish data every year. I think it was last year, 22% of all falls from height involve people falling through a roof. Very, wow. very few people ever fall off a roof, but an awful lot of people fall through them. And wow. a lot of people wouldn't ever see that because you put somebody on the roof of a building and instantly they say, oh, there's the edge. That's the dangerous bit. I'm going to yep. stay away from that. And they take yep. a step backwards through a skylight. And yep. that that's the kind of thing. So it's the education bit. And education, the provision of suitable product at an appropriate cost, which enables the customer to protect his people and our business to make money, that's the sweet spot. That's where, that's where we want to be. And you, you brought up a concept that I also want to explore a little bit. And that's the whole idea that over time, people find things less and less acceptable. And I see that so evident in the US through generational differences, right? Each person walking around has different levels of what they consider to be acceptable risk. You know, I think you use the example of driving without a seatbelt on or driving a motorcycle without a helmet. At one point, the majority of our population found those things to be an acceptable level of risk yeah. until they saw, you know, personal experiences of, you know, friends and loved ones getting into accidents and saying, hey, you know what, we really need to change this practice. This isn't safe. And what I'm seeing now in the U.S. is that a new generation is coming into the workplace saying, whoa, 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 these risks that we're taking are no longer acceptable. And there's been a huge shift in the U.S. where, you know, when I started, I've been doing this for coming up on nine years now. 
when I started, you know, you, it was almost like pulling teeth when you, you know, look at a skylight and say that needs to be protected. Well, no, it doesn't. You know, we've been doing this for 30 years and no one's been hurt. And, you know, you'd have to fight that battle. Whereas now, 10 years later, there's been a, just a different generation coming into the into the workforce with different education, different culture. And there's been a huge safety shift in the U.S. for the better, I believe, you know, more more towards more stricter compliance and, and safer practices. Have you seen that or are we a little bit behind in the U.K. on that practice? Have you seen that kind of generational move? I think it. I think it's the same the world over, Dan. I really do. In in my experience, pe- people, ch- children grow up looking at their parents for guidance until a certain point in their life, and that's generally sort of sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, when they look at something their parents do, and they they actually get get they get enough enough knowledge to then stand back and look and say, really, I don't think that's yeah. the right thing to be doing. And that's great. And, and, in, and in many respects, that's evolution. That's been, that's yeah. been going on for a, a long, long time. And, and long may it continue. And, and that, that for me, that's, that's part of the development of a safety culture. Yeah. I think as we all know, a couple of years ago, and it to, to a lesser extent, but it's still there now, people talk about health and safety, people stopping you doing things. Health and safety says you can't do that. Health and safety says you can't do that. That's absolutely wrong. A true health and safety professional will enable people to do anything that they want to do and anything that they need to do in a safe manner. And that's the difference. It's not, it's not about preventing people doing things. It's all about enabling people to do things in the safest way. And as long as people continue to work down that, the development of a safety culture happens and people's lives become safer on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, I, I think on the podcast when I had Mike Moomau as my guest, you know, his focus was on the people behind safety and to say, listen, there's no point in me as a safety professional implementing a system that no one wants to use and it will make everybody's jobs harder, right? Like get the buy-in of the people, understand, like you said in the beginning, what work is actually being done? When you walk into the site, when you go to do your job, when you come off on break, where are you traveling? What hazards are you exposed to? And how can I protect you from that in a way that won't make your job impossible to do? And I think that's exactly what you're saying. Perfect. Absolutely correct. It's just about making the environment safe and and just separating people from those hazards. In many respects, the hazard is always going to be there just need to protect people from it and separate them from it. Now, circling back to this concept of whole site safety that we've been discussing, right? It's a great concept, but you need quality tested practical products to exist to meet your safety needs of the client in a way that's practical for their workers to use. And Mm -hmm. I know that you've spent a good portion of your career in new product development of safety products. And that's a very unique situation to be in compared to anyone else in new product development because of the regulatory standards and things that you have to meet. Can you give me just a brief overview of what your experiences have been in new product development? Yeah, of course, of course. The whole area, it has to be said, the whole area of new product development is just hugely exciting. 
because if you're the kind of person that wants to wants to have an impact wants to make things better in the world new product development is fantastic because the output of your day-to-day -day job in essence or in ultimately is improving the safety of folk in the workplace so it's a really exciting place to be mm -hmm. to develop a new product you have to be methodical and um mm. sometimes you think oh new product development it's blue sky thinking it's scribbles on bits of paper <laughs> that turn turn into fantastic bright shiny things that revolutionize the world there is a bit of that but yet yeah, you also have to be very very methodical in the approach because if you don't you're, you're not going to end up with, with the right and proper product so some of the things we have to consider, um, and I'll go through this methodically because that, that's, that's what we have to do. First of all, you have to have a think about what is the risk? What's the risk that you're looking to protect? So on, a, on the top of a roof, it might be an open hatchway. Uh, it might be the edge of the building. It might be a certain type of skylight. It might be just some hazard on the roof that you need to be able to get from one side to the other. So understand what the risk is. And when I say understand it, fully understand it. What is the risk to people? How are they going to be exposed to that risk? So fully understand it. That's, that's the first part. Then, of course, we need to understand, can we provide a suitable system to separate people from that risk? And that's where the design process comes in. Can we actually do it? Can we develop a product that, that will protect people from that risk? Then we need to start getting a little bit more detailed about things, because if we don't provide a system that's affordable to a customer and we can make some money on, well, we're never really going to progress with it. Everybody would like the ultimate safety system, but if it's a million dollars, not many people yeah. are going to pay for it. So you have to be realistic about things. So fundamentally, then we need to work out, is it a design that is going to be cost effective for the customer? And then, of course, as we were talking about earlier, we need to think about standards. What are the standards that the system needs to comply with? Because we have to fully understand it. And then we need to do all of the tests to make sure that the system that we're providing complies with those standards. And that's yeah. not just a regulatory tick box, as we were talking about earlier. That's really to, to in, ensure that the customer can feel 100% confident that when they install this system, it's going to do everything that they want it to do. So compliance mm. with a standard is regulatory, but it also helps give the customer that confidence that they're installing the right thing. Then there's all yep. sorts of other things we need to think about with, can we install it safely? Can we deliver it safely and so on? So it is a very long, a long methodical process, but it does result in good products coming out at the end. I, I find it so fascinating, you know, that thinking about new product development and safety versus just new product development in general and the amount of standards at a global scale that need to be read and understood and applied and then the testing methods that come with each of those standards and then executing on all of those things before you even know if the concept is viable for the market uh, <laughs> can you how, how do you work through that much work before you know like i said it's it's goes just beyond a concept it's it's difficult 
it has to be said and it and it and it does it does involve an awful lot of work i think we're, we're very fortunate with inky safety we've got a number of very very clever very influential very knowledgeable people within our business which yeah. which means it, it isn't it isn't completely flying flying by the seats of your pants so to speak we 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 know a lot about standards we know a lot about product design that having been said there is still an awful lot of work that needs to be done to make sure that we're able to comply with standards everywhere because there's yeah. certain standards in the US which aren't the same as the UK which aren't the same as some parts of Europe and then you get into other parts of the world and then there's Australian standards, there's New Zealand standards. People <laughs> then say, OK, in my country, I'm going to adopt the British standard, but with a slight twist. So there's, <laughs> there's, there's loads and loads of work. So if, if we were solely a European or solely a North American company, testing to standards would be easy. But thankfully, we're not. We're a global company which means we have to comply with standards all over the world, which ultimately means we have much, much better products, it has to be said. Yeah, yeah. And I know even in the US, you know, we have federal OSHA standards that everyone meets, but then certain states, for example, California, have more stringent standards than the federal. And okay, yep, we've got to make sure that we meet those standards as well, which ultimately means that somebody, you know, in a state or a province or area that doesn't necessarily require the highest standard of performance, they're going to get that solution because we need mm -hmm. to develop and test for the, the most stringent standard. So I, I think that's an important point. You know, when you're looking at a new solution, when you're looking at a, at a new system that you're considering to use, look at the testing behind it, look at the work that was done and look at the footprint of the company that tested it. You know, are they from your part of the world? Did they test to make sure, you know, at a global scale or do they just test it at a local or regional scale to understand, you know, am I really going to get a, a safe system? Hmm. One of the really good things we have within key safety is that we have our own test center. In Cradley yeah. Heath in the UK, we've got the, the Key Safety Test Laboratory. And that means we can build a roof. We can build a roof if it's a rooftop system, install the system on the roof, and then test it in the environment that it would be used. Yeah. And that's pretty unique. There's not many other companies that are able to, to do that. There's a lot of people who have test centers for sure, but not many people actually have the ability to build a roof, install the system on it, and then test it. And that really does give people an awful lot of confidence. Yeah, I think that's a good point that you bring up because a lot of times, you know, when you talk about testing, customers ask, does it meet the standard? Yes or no? It's a simple question. But you can meet, again, it's all about, are we talking about safety or just legal compliance? And what you're saying is we're talking about safety at great cost. We want to make sure that the system that you put on your roof has been tested in the environment in which you'll be using it when you need it to work the most. And sure, we, you can get away with having something that's only lab tested in a controlled environment, but that isn't really what you want when you're the one dangling from the system off the side of a building. You want to know <laughs> this thing was tested and it's going to work in this environment, in this setup. So I think that's a really important point that you made, Peter. Yeah, absolutely. If you if you take a horizontal lifeline system, for example, 
the, the lifeline system might be absolutely fine. We were talking earlier about corner brackets, and believe me, we now have pretty strong corner brackets from, from all the <laughs> testing testing work we've done there. But one of the biggest areas of concern when it comes to a horizontal lifeline system is the way in which that system is then connected to the roof sheet. And actually then the fundamental strength of that roof sheet so it may well be, yeah, you could you could bolt a horizontal lifeline system down to concrete and test it and it'll be fine. Yeah, the system complies with the standard. Absolutely. And there's no there's no denying it does. But it's not been tested in an as built environment, because what you might find is actually the roof sheet that you're looking to put it on just isn't up to the job. And from that point of view, you should then be looking at an alternative system for the customer. Yeah, or the standard connection detail that you might use is not going to work. Therefore, you need a, a different connecting detail to ensure its safety. But unless you've actually tested it on that roof, you don't know. You're not sure if, if you need yeah, a new absolutely right. connection detail. Yeah, totally correct. Um, and I, you, you started to touch on this a little bit earlier, but can you share some of the challenges that you've experienced in new product development or any personal experiences that you've had to overcome in the testing lab? I mean, I, I mentioned it just now, but, and we were talking about it earlier today before we started. The, the whole thing with horizontal lifeline systems is, is really complex. It, it may well look like just a, a, a strong piece of wire rope strung between a couple of posts, but there's, there's an awful lot of physics and an awful lot of science involved in the system there. And when, when we were developing the, the key line two system for key safety, we, we were setting up tests on all sorts of different roof profiles, carrying out static tests, carrying out dynamic tests, and always, always, we found a situation where the greatest loads were applied to the corners. And you, you can picture the situation, and I'm, I'm sure it was a Friday afternoon. We're in the test centre in Cradley Heath. <laughs> it's just coming up to the weekend. We've got one more test to do, and everybody's starting to think, yep, yeah, great, we'll do the test. We'll, we'll, do, we'll, we'll take the video. We'll record all of the data. We'll have it all ready to write up the test report on Monday morning. So we've got this quite complex system with a 90-degree corner in it and a straight piece and then another 90-degree corner at the other end. And we're going to drop a huge weight um, to simulate <laughs> a fall right in the middle of the straight piece. So that's all going to be good, and we're all going to go home happy for the weekend. So everybody's ready. Three, two, one, bang. We drop the test weight, and both of the corners break. That, then, is the most frustrating thing ever, um, as, I'm, as I'm sure you can imagine. But unless you carry out tests in that way, you're never going to see things like that, and you're never then yeah. going to have the opportunity to develop those components to the point that we have them now, which are which are really, really safe components. And that, that's where our technical team really do come into their own and do a fantastic job, because you could decide, okay, well, the corner's the weakest part. We're going to make it out of this super-duper material, and we're going to make it five times thicker than it needs to be. Yes, that would work, but then it's not going to be cost effective for the customer. So there's mm -hmm. there's lots of stuff that you need to think about. And always there's a there's a big safety factor in everything that we do. But you do you do have to bring all of those things into consideration when you're developing a product. So yes, it's it's fraught with frustrations, but ultimately we end up with something which is really, 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 really good and really safe for the user to use. Yeah, and I know I, I've seen just a small portion of the amount of effort and work that goes into 
new product development, the testing that the team does and you do in the lab. And it's just worth noting how much work they actually do and just appreciating that for a moment. It's a lot of work that goes unnoticed by internal, external customers, but it, it's worth noting that it's well-spent effort and appreciated globally from our the people at Key Safety and, and our customers beyond that are using systems that they know will be safe when they need them. Mm, and absolutely. Peter, it's a huge amount of work, but, but worth every piece of it. Absolutely. Now, before we wrap it up, Peter, if you had just one concept, I like to ask this question at the end of every podcast. If you had one concept that you wanted every safety professional to understand, what would that be? I think going back to what we were talking about earlier, Dan, for, for me, it's the concept of total safety, total site safety, as opposed to looking at individual risks. Just imagine it. It would be absolutely heartbreaking to have a worker who's been safe all day whilst carrying out duties on the roof of a building to then get knocked over by a forklift truck as he makes his way through the factory to, to get in, in his car to go home. That just, that's just wrong. It's wrong on, on all sorts of different levels. So for me, it's that concept of total safety and walking in people's steps, walking in people's footsteps to, to see what they're exposed to every day. That, that's the thing that I'd like people to think a bit more about. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. And Peter, finally here at the end, is there anything else that you'd like to share? I think, and, and again, we, we're all exposed to this every day, but workplace safety for me, it, it's a fundamental human right. And as I mentioned before, em, employers have got a moral responsibility and in many cases, a legal responsibility as well to in, ensure the safety of everybody on their site in all areas of their site. So for me, it's just keep that in mind when you're considering site safety. It's not just about compliance. It's about how you do the best thing for all of your people on site. Absolutely. Peter, I want to thank you so much for your time joining us. And I want to thank you, the audience, for joining us on this edition of the Rooftop Report by Key Safety. If you have any questions that you'd like us to answer, please email us at info at keysafety.com. I'm on a mission to try and find you the best experts to answer your fall protection related questions. For previous and upcoming episodes, subscribe to our channels on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about our safety solutions, visit our website, keysafety.com. I'm your host, Dan Huntington. And until next time, stay safe. Thank you.